You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. you have your Bibles, you can open them to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Last week we looked at verses 1 and 2. We really only got to verse 1, and so I'd like to delve back into verse 2 this week. There's just too much there to just pass over. I really want to focus a little bit more on that second verse this week. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can open them to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight, about not being conformed to the image of this world, but rather being transformed. And that happens by renewing your mind, by by replacing the, the lies and the things that have been embedded in your mind with the truth of who you are in Christ. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. But would you just pray with me uh, before we begin? Father God, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness and for your goodness. And Lord, you know that I'm tired and I just want so much, Lord, to see you glorified in this place. But Father, I just ask that you would fill my mouth with your words, that I would not say anything that isn't from you, that you would keep a lock over my lips. Lord, I'm asking that you help me to clearly and effectively expound your word tonight. I pray, Lord, uh, as I prayed earlier, that, that no matter what comes out of my mouth, that by the time it reaches the, the listener's ears, Father, that there would be such revelation attached to it, that they would hear it the way you want them to hear. And Lord God, I thank you that your word is living, that it's alive. And I pray, Father, that the, the living word, as it goes forth from my mouth tonight, would penetrate hearts and minds, that, that lives would truly be transformed. Lord, that mindsets and, mind, and thinking patterns would be renewed in this place, that, that, that bad thinking patterns would be broken in the name of Jesus, and Lord, that we would begin to replace them with the truth of who we are in you. Lord, bring clarity, bring understanding. I'm asking you, Father, to bring revelation. Wear me like a pair of pants, Lord, and spend me like a coin in your pocket, but bring yourself glory and honor in this place tonight, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conform means to conform oneself or one's mind and one's character to another's pattern. It means to fashion oneself according to. 
the Webster's Dictionary uh, defines the word conform as to do what other people do or to behave in a way that's accepted by most people. I, I want you to let that one penetrate you, that when you are conforming, you are behaving in a way that's accepted by most people. We conform to the image uh, that this world says are acceptable. Uh, the world defines beauty a certain way. It says that beauty looks like this, beauty behaves like this. The magazines in the grocery store are polluted with what beauty is supposed to look like. And so that's what we put our aim at. This is what we put our target at. And unless we look like that, unless we, unless we appear that way, uh, we are full of self-hatred and self-defeat. We make it our aim to conform to that image. Forget what God has said is beautiful. Forget that when God created you, he knit you together in, in your mama's womb and he said it was good. But instead what we do is we try to conform and we try to remake and remold what God has already said is good. And we conform to the image of the world. The world determines a standard of what it defines as fashionable and, and we conform to that image even if it means going broke doing it. The world says this is what success looks like and we work hard until we achieve it even at great risk to our families. I can give you illustration after illustration but let me ask you tonight, what are you conforming to? What are you using as your pattern that molds you into its image? The word conform, it means that there is an outside pressure molding you and making you into an image. Where the word transform, it has an inward pressure and an inward power that is transforming you and making you into something else. The word transform is where we get our word metamorphosis, for example. It's when we have a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. Everything a butterfly needs can be found in that caterpillar, but as it transforms, it becomes all it was created to be. Do you see how that works? But the word conform, if I had a bucket of, of sand up here tonight and I filled that bucket up with sand and I dumped it out, it would conform. It would take the image of the bucket, of the vessel that it's, it's being, being molded into. If I took that same sand and I used a mold of like a shell and I put the sand in that mold, it would take on that form. When you conform, you take on the image of whatever is around you. So many of us have conformed to what the world says is acceptable, to what the world says we need to be, to be valued, to have any kind of worth. That should not be. We need to be transformed into all that God says we are. When I conform, I feel outside pressure to look and to act like others. I conform to behave in a way that people, people, say is acceptable. It, it, it insulates me from, from being rejected. If I fear that you're going to reject me, I will find out what it is you want me to become. And I will become that way so that you accept me. Are you following me? So if, if your little group wants me to be happy-go-lucky and a party girl, if I really want to be accepted by you, I will conform and I will become that person so that you don't reject me. Only the, the problem with that is those standards might change the next week. You might change your mind about what you want or what you think is acceptable. You see, the world standards will do that. 
And so if we're conforming to what the world says we should look like, well, how the world says we should behave, those standards are gonna change like the wind. However, if we allow ourselves to be transformed, you see, when you were created, when you were knit together in your mama's womb, in fact, before you were ever even conceived, God knew you, and he put a destiny in you that only you could fulfill, a potential, oh, there is a potential in you that only you can fulfill. You can only be what God wants you to be. He put the power in you to be that before you were ever even conceived. And do you see what we do? We remake ourselves into what the world says is acceptable. If I'm getting a message that you don't think I'm acceptable, I'll remake myself to become that rather than saying, wait a second, God said I was good. God said he had great plans for my life. God put a power in me. He put a potential in me that only I can fulfill. And if I'm too busy molding and remaking myself to be acceptable to you, all that God put in me goes ignored and never fully is realized. The potential that's in me is never fully realized. Do you see that even as a preacher, if I am going to conform to what you want me to be, I will change my message to please you. If I'm concerned about what you're saying about me and how you're receiving my message, I will change the very message of God to please you. I will not do that. And we have got to come to a place, church, where you begin to realize all the potential that God put inside of you. He created you for something that only you can do. Do you understand that? And if we are conforming to what the world says we should be, we are cheating ourselves out of becoming all that God wants us to be. Do you understand that? But so often we go to the world and we use it as a mirror. Oh, when I go to the mirror in the morning, I look at it and, it reflect, and I catch a reflection of what I look like. Are you with me? And do you understand that we have mirrors in the world? People can become our mirrors. Teachers can become our mirrors. Situations can become our mirrors. Circumstances can become our mirrors. Events in our life can become our mirrors. And we go to them and we allow them to reflect what we look like. Do you see that? So if you're a little girl and you've been raised in a home with a mother who has some issues, my mother had mental illness. She had a vicious temper. And as a little girl, I, 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 she became a mirror to me. I would go to her for the love of a mother and, and a little girl needing that attention, needing that affection. And I was never good enough. I was never pretty enough. I was never quiet enough. I was never talkative enough. I was never successful enough. Do, do you see? And so my mirror said, you are not worth anything. You don't measure up. And as a little girl, we should be able to use our parents as a mirror. Do you see that? But so many of us have had broken parents. And so now my image that I've seen reflected by people, situations, events in my life is distorted. Do you understand that? And the reflection that I've caught of myself in life is now distorted. Are you with me? Have you ever been in a house of mirrors? 
Oh, I love it. Well, when I was a little girl growing up, I used to love to go to amusement parks because they had House of Mirrors. Kendall, they don't have them much anymore. I don't know that you've ever even seen one, but, but it's a House of Mirrors is a big old maze of mirrors. Are you with me? And, and these mirrors are distorted. Some are curved a certain way. Some are bent a certain way. So, some are just distorted. <laughs> and so you get in this maze, in this room with all of these mirrors, and, and it's set up to confuse you. It's set up to really uh, just, just wreak confusion and havoc in your life. You get into this, this maze and, and you start looking at all these mirrors and, and the, 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 the images are distorted and they mislead you. And before you know it, you're stuck in this maze and you can't get out. That's some of us. We've been living in a house of mirrors. We've been going to so many people, asking them to reflect. I don't know who I am. Can you please tell me? I'm looking to my job to tell me who I am. I'm looking to men to tell me who I am. I'm looking to friends to tell me who I am. I'm looking to women to tell me who I am. I'm looking to the media to tell me who I am. And I'm getting distorted images. And I am like in a maze of mirrors. And I am lost in confusion. I don't even know who I am. And it's because I've tried to conform to the image of this world. However, the Bible says, James says, this word is a mirror. He says that any man who goes to the word, it's like looking in a mirror. And what happens, you might, you might leave and forget what you look like. That's why we have to stay in this. Because it's a mirror. I understand who I am, who God created me to be. Because there is just one reflection I want to catch. And that's him. There's a scripture that says, you beholding. Oh, I got to find it. It's in 2 Corinthians. And it says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Do you understand that when I go to be with Jesus in the morning, when I sit at my table, when I open the Word of God, when I open the mirror of the Word, and I begin to look in it, I see who He says I am. I don't see the distorted vision that I get when I, when I go to broken people. You see, some of you are going to broken people and trying to measure up and find out who you are. They're broken. They're distorted. Their mirror is distorted. There is only one mirror you can go to, and it's the word. And that's why he says, don't you dare be conformed by the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get into the word, get into the mirror of his word, and find out who you are. See the true reflection of who you are, and let it start transforming your life. Have you ever seen a mirror that you, you look in, and it makes you look big old hunk and fat? Are you, are you with me? The one I look at now, I'm with you. I am with you. <laughs> I saw myself on that screen tonight, and I was like, ah, what happened? <laughs> but let's say I was itsy bitsy teeny, and I had this mirror <laughs> that made me look fat. But I really trusted that mirror. And I went to it every day and I looked at it, but it was distorted. I just didn't know that. I, I thought it was a good mirror. I, I heard that, that there, there are some department stores who are changing their mirrors now. They've learned that if they can extend the mirror just a little bit, it makes the person look thinner and taller. And they want to buy the clothing. It's brilliant, isn't it? But let's just say I, will, I used the other mirror, the one that made me look fat. 
And every day I went to that mirror and I was like, boy, am I fat. I need to do something about it. And I began to starve myself and I began to work out like a mad woman and I kept losing weight and it was pouring off of my body. But every day I would go back to that same mirror and catch my reflection. The reflection didn't change. My body did, but the reflection didn't. So what am I going to continue to do? Starve myself and exercise like a mad woman because the reflection is not changing. Do you see it? Because it's not the image that had the problem, it was the mirror. I need to find me a new mirror. And some of you precious ones need to find you a new mirror. You are looking to a friend who's got her own issues. And you're saying, tell me what I look like. Let me catch a reflection in you. What's acceptable to you? How do you see me? Well, we'd like you to be more quiet. We'd like you to be more reserved. We'd like you to be a little prettier. We'd like you to be a bit more successful to be in our group. You need to get you a new mirror. Some of you have been raised with parents who were broken, whose mirrors were bent, <laughs> and you caught a distorted image of yourself all of your life. You, you felt like you were always in the way or that you were never really loved or, or you were the victim of their anger and they said words and things to you that really distorted your whole image of yourself. Maybe some of you, we were at a, a conference this weekend with mostly Asian women. And I heard story after story from women who said that, that, that I never felt good enough, that success was everything to my family. And I never felt like I measured up because it was a distorted mirror. It was a distorted mirror. Who are you using as your mirror? Who are you catching your reflection of? Who are you allowing to mold and shape you? Can I tell you there is one potter and his name is Jesus. The Bible says that we are the clay and he is the potter and we are the work of his hands. And he is pleased. He's pleased. In my house right now, I have a chair in my basement. And it was, some of you have heard me tell this story before. It was a, it was a chair that we got when I married Dave. And, and Dave was, you know, he was a bachelor's home and his house needed some work. And, and it, was, it was something. <laughs> and when I moved in, I was like, you're going to see Rhea's been here. And wallpaper came down and, and new paint went on the walls and we redid things. But there was this chair that sat in his kitchen at a, at a desk and, and, and at the time his kitchen was country blue. Are you following me? You got the picture in your mind. Didn't take me long to get rid of country blue and the ducks and the geese all over and I, I, I immediately took that chair and we repainted it. And so it was, it had been one time, I guess when it originally came to him, it was an oak chair and it was just stained like an oak chair and he painted it this country blue color and then eventually uh, we redid our children's, one of our boys' bedroom and our boys are big soccer players and at that time their bedroom was done in Manchester United colors and they were red and gold. So the chair got painted gold to be put by their desk and and you know the boys were kind of rough on it it got chipped up and eventually the girls got a new bedroom and they got they were theirs was pink and white and and that chair went to the girls room to be put at their desk and it was painted white over top of that gold so now it's been oak and blue and 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 gold and 
pan white. And, and then eventually we got a new kitchen downstairs and it was dark green. And, and, and so the chair got painted dark green and, and eventually it, it just got put out in the garage and it was used for spray painting. So if the kids had a project for school, you know, they put it on, they spray painted. And, and then, you know, sometimes if I couldn't reach something, I would step on it and I would get up on the chair in the garage and get whatever I needed. And somehow it got down in the basement. And one day I was down in the basement in the, in the freezer getting something and I happened to look over and see that chair. And the chair was showing the effects of everything it had been through and the paint was chipping and I could see country blue and I could see the oak and I could see the white and I could see the gold and I, all those colors were showing through. And as I looked at that chair, the Lord said to me, Rhea, that's your life. You've painted yourself to fit into whatever environment you've been in, to blend into whatever environment you've been in and you've forgotten you were created by a carpenter as an original but you've painted yourself to fit into every environment you've ever been in. And I'm telling you, that's what happens when we conform. And, and you're gonna always conform. You're always gonna go to that. That's always gonna be your default unless you realize who you are in Christ. Unless you realize that you are a magnificent creation. Unless you realize you are his treasured possession. Unless you're realizing that he created you and he said it was good. And he, I don't care what Susie down the street said. I don't care what Tom at work said. I'm telling you, it is good. The way he created you was good. And we have got to stop conforming to to the image that this world wants us to be and start being transformed and realizing who we are in him, who we are in him. But you see, we allow people to put that stuff on us. <laughs> we allow it. I was reading this week about David and Goliath. I was saying, Lord, this is good, but you've got to give me a practical illustration. I have to see it in the word. You know, you can talk all you want. You can make a good story, but unless it comes back to the word, you've got to line it back up with the word. I'm like, Lord, give me an illustration from the word. And he took me to David and Goliath. Now, you know the story of David and Goliath. David and his brothers were all out in, the, uh, out in battle, and they were going to face the Philistines. And, and David was back home taking care of the sheep. And his daddy says to him, take some, some food out to your brothers in the field. And David does that. And he, he trucks out, and he's just a young boy. And he trucks out, and, and he had been in the, in the field with his, with his father's sheep all this time. And, and so he goes to take this lunch out to his brothers, and he hears the Philistines coming against the Israelites. They're lining up the Philistines on one hill, the Israelites on the other with the valley in between. And, and, and this big old honking Philistine comes out and he starts talking smack. And all the Israelites are like fear, fearful, full of fear and, and intimidated by this big mouth giant. And David says, wait a second. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the army of God. You see, David gets it. D David is saying, do you have any idea who you are? They, and you're running, you're running from an uncircumcised Philistine and you are the army of God. What is up? And he goes up to Saul and he's like, I'll fight him. He's a boy. But see, David understood who he was. He knew, and, and you know what Saul does? The king, you know what he does? He says, he immediately starts pointing out all of David's shortcomings. You're only a boy. He's a giant. 
And he starts pointing out all these shortcomings. And David at first starts to listen, and then it's like he gets this revelation, and he begins to refute the lie. He says, wait a second, Saul. When I was with my father's sheep in the field, and a lion or bear would come, (laughs) he said, the, the Lord would deliver me out of the hand of the lion and the bear. And if he did that, he could take care of this big old honking giant. Can I just tell you who I am? You might, th- you might want to attach all of these lies to me, Saul, but can I tell you who I know I am? And I'm not moving. Give me the giant. You see, some of you, people come at you with your shortcomings and your failings, and you're like, you're exactly right. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'll never amount to anything. I might as well just quit and go to bed because I'm nothing. And you need to say, wait a second. Do you know who I am? Do you know whose I am? Do you know how mighty I am? And so Saul finally gets that he's not going to be able to stop David. And here's what I love more than anything. He says he wants David to take his armor. And and David doesn't want to take it. David's just fine all on his own. But Saul says he wants to clothe him with his armor. Now, now that word clothe is just super good uh, because the word, if you look up the word clothe, it means to dress, to, to, to put on a garment, but, but the word armor, it means armor, but, but, it, but the main meaning of that word armor means to measure. You see, if you got that, you'd be wowing right now because what Saul did is he looked at David, he looked at the situation, he measured him up, And he said, you don't measure up. You need something more. I wonder how many of you are sitting here tonight and you have let somebody speak that kind of garbage into your life. Someone's looked at you and said, you don't measure up to my standards. You don't have what it takes. You're really nothing. And and let me just try to clothe you with something to make you better. Does that not sink into anybody's spirit but mine? And so the word says that, that Saul made David put on the armor and, and David put the armor on. The word says he fastened his sword to the armor and, and then he tested it. Uh, oh, that word tested is so good. I had to call my friend this week and say, can I just tell you what I just found in the word? Because this just so rocked my world. Because the Bible says, don't be, I'm sorry I'm spitting. <laughs> Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to what? Somebody, did you memorize it this week? That you might be able to what? Test and what? Prove, prove what is the acceptable good will of God, perfect will of God, that you might be able to what? Prove. And David said he put on that armor. And one translation said he wanted to test it. The other one said he wanted to prove it and it didn't prove it didn't fit it didn't fit him and so he said I'm not wearing this I got me a stone and that's all I need I got the stone and the Lord and that is all I need and he took the armor off you see oh Lord help me tell this like he gave it to me but here's what I want to tell you there have been people in your life that have come up to you and said you don't measure up you're really not anything you you really you need something more you're missing out and I want to clothe you with that garbage with that lie And and you haven't even tested it. You haven't even proved it. You haven't even seen if it fits you. You're wearing it, but it's not fitting you. Take the thing off. 
I have a good friend who told me her mama buys her clothing for her. She's an adult woman. And I asked her if I could use this illustration because it's so good. But, but she's an adult woman. And I, re- I mean, she has some sassy, cute clothes. And I'll say to her, that is such a cute outfit. And she'll be like, my mom got it for me. <laughs> and then she'll laugh. And, and I said, well, she doesn't like that her mom buys her these clothing. Me, on the other hand, I wish my mom was alive and could buy me some clothing. But, but she does not like it because she said, Rhea, they're not even my style. I, they're not my, I wouldn't pick this out. I wouldn't wear this. They don't even fit right, Rhea. But she said, I just wear them. And she said, I get really kind of mad at myself. I get up in the morning, I put them on, and they don't fit. They don't, I don't feel comfortable in them, but I wear them anyway. And when I was studying this, I thought about her and how that's you and I, that people try to clothe us with garbage, with lies. And they don't fit. We know they don't fit. We're not comfortable wearing their lies, but, but yet we, we just wear them. We keep wearing them. We don't tape them up. We don't prove them like David did and say, you know what? This doesn't fit me. I'm not comfortable wearing this. This is going to interfere with my battle, and I am not wearing the thing. But instead you say, somebody wants to clothe you with a lie. You're not pretty enough. You're not successful enough. You're you're really not a good dad. You'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. And you're like, I'll put it on, I guess. It's not comfortable. I I don't really like the way it's fitting me. It's really kind of cumbersome. It's, it's, it's burdening me down, but I'll wear it. Take the thing off. Test it. Prove it doesn't fit you. It's not what God made you for. Why do we do it? Why do we accept the lie instead of accepting the truth? I wish I could go through this room and say, what is the lie that you're clothed in right now? Because my money's on the fact that every one of you have one. Nobody wants you. You're going to always be single. You're going to always be abandoned, rejected. You'll never be successful. What are the lies? I've been studying Psalm 91 again. I have some good friends who have come alongside me and said, we'll study with you so that you get more for your money because I'm going to start writing. And and so we've been all studying together and it's been interesting. I've had to re, I've had to look at some things that I didn't teach the first time through and God is just revealing some new things. And one of the scriptures that we've been studying is, is the word dwell and, and, and it means to live. Where are you living? Where are you abiding? And, and somehow we got to this verse in Psalm, or I'm sorry, in Isaiah 8, 28, 15. I want you to look at that if you have your Bibles. Isaiah, or Psalm, Isaiah 28, 15. Isaiah 28, 15. Because I want you to give some thought why we so accept these lies as truth in our life. Why we allow the world to reflect an image to us that's not true, that's distorted. Why we believe that, why we keep returning to that mirror and, and trying to catch the reflection of ourselves in that, in that mirror that's distorted versus the truth of who we are in Christ. 
Look at Isaiah 28, 15. It says, for we have made lies our refuge. And under the falsehood, under falsehood, we have hidden ourselves. We have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood, we have, we have hidden ourselves. Uh, that word refuge, it's the same word that's used in Psalm 91. Now, you can choose which refuge you want to hide under, but I'm telling you what, if I'm running for cover, it's going to be under the shelter of his wing, not under lies. And yet, for so much of my life, I found refuge and a hiding place in lies. I remade myself, I repainted myself because I was looking at the image that the world was saying was acceptable. I didn't measure up and so I remade myself into this false image, into this lie of somebody I wasn't. And I found refuge in that and I hid myself in that. And Isaiah is saying, you have made lies your refuge and under falsehood you have hidden yourself. And then skip down to verse 18. 17, he says, the hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the water will overflow the hiding place. Now, I just want you to see that it's so good. There's another translation that says that he's going to send a hailstorm, a hailstorm to knock. He wants to bring a hailstorm of truth and knock down the refuge of lies that you're living in. Do you just love that? You see that word refuge, it means the thing we put our trust in. And the word lie means anything that deceives. If you look up the word deceive in the, in the dictionary, it means to make someone believe something that's not true. Typically in order to gain an advantage. Oh, you didn't get that. A lie is anything that deceives and you deceive in order to gain an advantage. Who is the father of lies? It's his native language. It's the only language he speaks. So if you're making refuge, uh, re lies your refuge, guess who's spoken those lies? Guess who's the author of those lies? And he's done it to gain an advantage in your life. He's brought a distortion. He wants to distort the image. He is after the image of God in you. Do you know that you were created in his likeness and in his image? And the enemy can't stand that. He can't stand that because he knows what a, what a, he knows if you really get this, if you really understand who you are in Christ and you begin to show the world that image, you are unstoppable. And so he is after the image of Christ in you. And he is going to bring the mirrors to reflect a distorted image to you. And if you are going to this world looking for them to affirm or approve or, or, or confirm who you are, you are going to a distorted mirror. And, and God says, you go to the mirror of my word and you catch an image of yourself in that one because that's the only mirror that you can trust. But you can make a decision. Are you going to, to make lies your refuge, your hiding place? Or are you going to allow him to bring a hailstorm of truth and bring that thing down? I want to show you one illustration here. I saw Patsy Claremont do this, oh, many, many, many years ago, and it just, it just stuck in my spirit. It just spoke to my heart. And, and she, draw, she has people draw just a house, you know, just your little elementary school house here. And this is symbolic of your life right here. And, and then here's a picture window in the front of your house. And, and this window is where you go when you want to, um, to observe the world, when you want to view the world. 
So when I want to, to view angel, I go to my, my window of life and I view angel through my window of life. Are you following me? When I want to view God, I go to my window of life, I look at, I view God through my window of life. When I want to view Karen and Dave, I go to my window of life and I view them through my window of life. Are you following me? We all have a window of life. And then one day somebody comes along and, and maybe they haven't in your life yet, but take good notes because they will. Somebody comes along with a big old boulder. Now that boulder can be in the form of abuse. That boulder might be an unkind word. That boulder might be rejection or abandonment. That, that boulder can be a number of things, but, but, but it's a boulder and it's a big one. And, and they throw it at your window of life. And what happens when a rock hits a window? Ask my boys. <laughs> it shatters. It shatters. So now, when I go to my window of life to view Angel, I'm viewing Angel through a shattered window, through a distorted view. So now, when I want to relate to Angel, I'm relating to her through my shattered window of life. When I want to relate to Dave and, and, and Karen, I, I go to my window of life to relate to them, and my window's been shattered. It's a distorted view. So now I'm going to relate to them and view them through my distortion. Are you seeing it? And the only way, see, this is where some of you live 24-7, and you don't even realize that and God wants to come down, and he doesn't want to just fix your window of life. He wants to tear down th this whole this whole refuge that you've set up in your life to keep yourself safe and he wants to bring a hailstorm of truth and tear that thing down and, and and have you start living in the fullness of who he says you are do you see that and you've got to make a decision do you want to continue to make lies your refuge or do you want him to bring a hailstorm of truth the word says, uh, there's, a, there's a translation that says it's an unreliable refuge, the, the, the refuge of lies. It's an unreliable refuge. Do you understand that all behavior, that's why I had you memorize that scripture tonight, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, what you're meditating on, what you're putting in your mind, whether it's lies or truth, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because belief always precipitates behavior. Behavior is always born out of belief. That, that's why if a little girl believes she's worthless, she will spend the rest of her life functioning out of that belief. Do you see that? If a young man uh, is, feels like he will never amount to anything, he will spend the rest of his life living in defeat because belief will always beget behavior. And that's why it's so vital, church, that we renew our minds with the truth and get out from under the refuge of lies that we've been living in. But you have got to be able to identify the lie because if you don't, you will empower the liar. Believe the lie, you'll empower the liar. And we've got to start doing some inventory of this mind. And the only way that you can expose those lies is to get into this truth. 
This is truth. This is a reliable refuge. And we've got to start coming to this mirror to evaluate ourselves. Because that's the only truth. It's the only truth. Hurting people hurt people. Broken people break people. Forgive that person for messing with you. But stop going to them for the reflection. Stop using them as the mirror. Get you a new mirror. And when you begin to understand who you are, when like David, you understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living within you, <laughs> all you need is a pebble. And you can bring you down some giants. So I can't be who you want me to be. I can't wear that. That's going to be cumbersome. That's going to be burdensome for me. That's going to weigh me down. I, I, I appreciate your soul, but I'll fight this battle on my own, my own way. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? He wants to bring a hailstone, a hailstorm of truth and bring that down. I want to read the West Word Study for Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, And stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. But change your outward expression to one that comes from within and, it, and is representative of your in, inner being by the renewing of your mind, resulting in putting to the test what is the will of God and the good and well-pleasing and complete will, and having found that it meets specif specifications, place your approval upon it. I love it. Do not be conformed by the, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. David said, I need to prove this. I'll put it on, but I need to test it. I need to prove it. And when he tested it, he said it didn't fit. And so what, what Romans is saying is renew your mind with the truth of who you are in, in God and test it. See what it does for you. Because when you really get it, it's going to change your life. One last thing before I, before I let you leave. That word conformed in the original language also means schemed together with. Don't be conformed, schemed together with the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the things that I tell Leslie all the time or I tell my kids all the time is, don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. What does conformed mean? Schemed together with. Who do you think wants you to conform to this world? Whose plan do you think it is to try to get you squeezed in that mold? Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. There's so much that the world says conform. I was talking with somebody tonight and they said, you know, even sexually, conform. 
even truth. You know, don't, don't, you know, don't put your expect, don't put your truth on me. All truth is good. It's all, you know. But, but just little things that as you go into this week, I want you to just practically look at the scripture and keep your mind renewed. For example, the world says your anger is fine. <laughs> the world says gossip is fine. So let's say you go out this weekend and somebody ticks you off and you feel like you're going you're gonna to lose your temper. It's interesting the way that that scripture, the tense that's used in this passage, I just want to point that out to you before we leave. Do not be conformed. It means stop this. It's present imperative. It's, it, the imperative is a command. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word is a present imperative. It's a command, and it means continually. Continually be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means we always have to be on. We always have to be aware of what we're thinking about. That's why these scripture memorization, the scripture memorization is so vital because we have to get that word down in us. For example, if I'm, if I'm an angry person and I'm struggling with anger, I'm going to get that spiral notebook full of verses about anger. A man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When I feel anger rising, when I have the temptation to conform and to let that anger go because the world says it's okay, I'm going to renew my mind and I'm going to say, no, 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 Rhea, a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And I'm going to keep meditating on that scripture till it begins to transform my life. And I start looking like him instead of looking like the world. You see, we have to be intentional. Find you somebody who will hold you accountable that you can text and say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's where I'm going with this. That they can speak some truth back into you. We've got to be intentional. Do you want to be free? He set before us life and death. We have got to make a decision. Do we want to be free? Do we want to be free? One of my favorite scriptures is the scripture that says that, that he's talking about a, you know, any man who enlists in the army doesn't get involved in civilian stuff anymore. Can I tell you, you've enlisted in the army, the army of God, and we have got to decide, church, this is what pushes every button I have. We want to call ourselves the church. We want to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We want to profess Christ, but our life is not looking any different. And that should not be. We are allowing the world to form us into their image so we look just like them. And if we allow God to transform us so that people said, what in the world? It's different about her. Leslie said somebody came to her this weekend and said, I want whatever she has. How does she do it? And Leslie said, do you have any idea how much time she spends in the word? Do you know how much time she spends praying? She didn't say that to pat me on the back. I'm telling you, I spend all kinds of time in this word. It is my life. It is the only life. Leslie's my best friend, but she doesn't have life for me. Can I tell you, she can bring me down just as quick as the world can. If I am looking to her for what I need, I'm going to be let down. Lord, who do you want me to be? Who do you say I am? I love, thank you, Lord, for that. Jesus is with the disciples, and he says, who do men say I am? And they say, well, some say that you're this, and some say you're that. And he said, who do you say I am? 
wasn't moved. He didn't say, I can't believe they said I was Elijah. I can't believe they said, he didn't do that. He knew who he was. Satan, when he took him out, the word says that the spirit led him out to be tempted, Jesus to be tempted, and Satan, the very first thing he said to him is, if you are the son of God. The dove had just descended on him, the heavens had opened, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And not very long after that, if you are the son of God. If you look at the temptation, he says it three times. If you are the son of God, do this. In other words, I want, I want you to question who you are. Oh, Jesus didn't even move. Didn't even move him. Because he knew who he was. And you see, when you know who you are, this stuff can't move you. It can't move you. I can't tell you who you are. I can sit up here. I can quote it over you. I can get you to confess it. But until you get that word in you, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. And you shall what? It's your memory verse. Know the truth. That means to know intimately. That's that sexual word. An idiom for sexual intercourse. You shall know intimately the truth. And the truth will set you free. I can't get you to abide in the word. I can preach it to you on Monday night. But until you get in that word and you begin to know it. Somebody could come up here and say, I really don't like your, the way you preach. I'd say, rock on with your bad self. But this is who God created me to be. This is his gift. This is what he put inside of me. I really don't care what you have to say. Amen. Do you understand that? Do you understand that if I cared, I would change my message. I would tone down. Tonight they said, they put it, I put a chair down here, and they said, why do you have a chair? <laughs> they were taking bets how long I would sit on it. Karen brought some straps over and said, I would like to tie you to that chair because I just don't think you can stay there. If I was going to conform, I would have a nice, tidy little pulpit up here with my notes, and I would read them, and I would make sure every T was crossed and every I was dotted, and I would have a fine-sounding sermon that pleased everybody, and we would have a room packed out with people. Can I tell you, I don't care about a room packed out with people. I care. I care about a people being transformed. And you know what I see in you? People that come week after week after week, a people being transformed. Because they're getting the truth down in. And it's changing them and setting them free. You were created in his image and in his likeness. Don't recreate yourself to become what somebody else wants you to be. Because he said it was good. He is pleased with you. Don't apologize for being his masterpiece. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com.
or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.